Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Warning. The episode you're about to hear involves descriptions of sexual assault. Listener discretion is advised. This is not just a podcast. It is a journey. A dark, step-by-step journey into a very unusual missing persons investigation. One involving everyone from number one recording artists to eventually the FBI. I'm taking you through it in real time for a specific reason. And that reason is so you can have all the information we do. And I'm presenting every piece of this puzzle even the ones that don't fit, so you can join our team and help find out what happened to Elaine Park. Listen carefully to every detail in case you notice something we missed. Because there are clues here everywhere. I just couldn't see them at the time. Episode 3, Chapter 6, The Tweets. Hey, uh, Kenny? Kenny? Hello? I'm on the phone with a music photographer who goes by the name Kenny Chosen. Some two months ago, 20-year-old Elaine Park went missing and her friends and family believe that her disappearance could be linked to an assault that took place backstage at a concert some 18 months earlier. After a lot of digging, I believe I found a possible witness, and I've just asked him if he remembers seeing Elaine Park backstage. I remember though, I remember though, sir. I remember she was like probably super fucked up, like backstage, all like kind of like falling over maybe. Uh, yeah, I definitely remember that uh, she was like not only hooking on a playboy party, but also a lot of other people that were backstage. Yeah, I think it was just like in the bathroom, and then like they were just walking one after the other or something like that. I was like curious. I was like, "What the fuck, are you guys doing?" You know what I mean? And then I looked up. Oh, okay. Shit. I was like, oh, "I'm not. I'm not gonna be a part of this." You know what I mean? 
I asked him exactly how many people he was talking about here. Probably like three, to be honest. Like, I remember like probably three. And then afterward, did you like get a vibe on her when she came out? Oh, uh, when yeah, when she came out, she looked like she was like straight, and she didn't look like she was like falling off or anything. She looked like she was she was conscious and knew what she was doing. You know. I think that's really normal for like all girls to do that at a show, you know, just get fucked up and try to like go backstage and whatnot, you know. I think there was like some video of that going around. Oh, there was? I think. Oh, I've never seen no video like that. So you don't think anyone took photos or videos? No, I don't think anyone took photos or videos or anything like that. Did you ever see her again or run into her at any point later? No, I've never even seen her ever again. That's the police point. Like, I never ran into her. Because I don't even know any of these girls that I meet or anything like that. Or I just see what happens and I, I, I kind of like, like forget about it, you know? But that's what happens. Like They just come backstage and start trying to hook up with the artist. Somebody was saying Kodak was there. Oh, no, he's definitely not. It was just... Um, I think it was just father, played McCarty, and, you know, someone else. I also wanted to see if Elaine's ex-boyfriend, Divine Compare, had any connection to the people at the concert. Do you know a guy named Divine Compare? No, I don't. I sent Kenny a photo, and he said that he didn't recognize Divine. Shit, I wish I could remember more willing to help out with anything, you know, like, that's like, I feel, I feel bad because, like, she's, she's Korean and, you know, like, it's a girl, it's a young girl that I, I've, uh, I've met and I found out that she's missing now. That's kind of, that's kind of crazy. I noticed that Kenny said Elaine was, quote, super fucked up, but at another point said she was straight. And he also denied saying something about this afterward to Elaine, as Elaine's friend Daisy told us. So he may be minimizing what happened at the very least. But even if he is, it's still clear that what took place was not okay. So I called Nushin Valizadeh, a trauma-informed violence prevention specialist and a professor at UCLA and USC for a legal perspective on Kenny's account of what happened. So if, if she was intoxicated uh, under California Penal Code Section 261A3, uh, she would not have actually been seen to uh, consent, been in a place where she could actually consent to sex if she had been intoxicated and folks had been able to see that maybe she had trouble walking or that she seemed very drunk or that she uh, wasn't was slurring her words, that would absolutely fall under her not being able to give consent to sex or any sort of sexual interaction. And if she went to the police with this incident, could charges be filed? Yes, absolutely. If she decided to go to the police and share with them, especially the details like of what she had been taking and what she remembered, uh, which, as you said, uh, it seems like she may not remember much from the event, then absolutely she would um, be encouraged to press charges or she could just suggest that these are the reasons why I believe I was raped and she would be able to press charges against the person or people. And also another factor that sometimes plays a role. So if they were too intoxicated or high to be able to notice that she was also intoxicated or they reasonably believe that she was able to consent to it, then they might get away with 
the sexual assault as well. It's heartbreaking to think about what Elaine must have gone through and how much it had been weighing on her. We had to keep looking into this and to find out if what happened was connected to her disappearance, as Jaden and Elaine's mother Susan had told us. And if so, who was responsible? Their theory hinged on four key pieces of information. One, a series of deleted tweets that Elaine allegedly posted just before her disappearance. Two, a Periscope video Elaine is said to have recorded around the same time. Three, the text messages between Divine and Elaine that Jaden told us about. And four, an account that two of Elaine's friends, Kristen and Danielle, supposedly gave missing persons advocate Rhonda Hampton at the search for Elaine. Mike Einziger and I begin by calling Kristen, who Jaden tells us screenshotted the tweets before Elaine deleted them. Hey, Kristen, it's Mike calling. Hey, what's up? How's it going? going? Yeah, I know. It's kind of a weird situation and an odd set of circumstances for the phone call. Mm -hmm. Um, Just to explain a little bit, I'm sitting here with a a guy named Neil Strauss and his wife, Ingrid. Mike went on to ask Kristen about her relationship with Elaine. I knew her because, like, we went to live dances together and... She would just kill it every time at the white dance. She's an incredible dancer, you know, and just, like, the funnest girl to be around. Everyone gravitated towards her. (laughs) Once we graduated, it was, like, going separate ways. Oh, it's so hard to talk. Sorry. Oh, it's okay. okay. Kristen told us that a month or two before Elaine disappeared, for some reason, she blocked or stopped following most of her high school friends. Me, but I still followed her, so I, I would see like all of her posts, and I don't know, they just kind of got like a little wacky, just like not how she used to be in high school. I don't know. And then she started tweeting one night about how she was, um, sorry, it's okay, it's okay. About, about what happened at that concert. Kristen went on to confirm that within a day of posting the tweets, Elaine deleted them. I screenshotted the tweets because I couldn't find them. And then I just messaged her that night. I was like, you're so brave for posting that. She's like, I miss you so much. I hope all your blessings. She was just trying to get it out, you know? Like, she was tired of, like, holding it in. That's what the tweets seemed like to me. Like, she just wanted everyone to know that he wasn't going to bother her. I'm glad I texted her that night. That's for sure. Sorry. Don't worry. Take your time. Kristen promised to send us the screenshots she'd taken of Elaine's tweets. Next, we needed to ask her about the conversation that she'd had with Rhonda Hampton at the search. 
So Mike reads her an email that Rhonda sent to Jaden as well as to Detective Krivak, the officer in charge of Elaine's case at the Glendale Police Department. Rhonda is claiming that you and Danielle told her this story. So I want to tell you exactly what was written. She says, hello, gentlemen. Below is a summary of a conversation that I had with two of Elaine Park's friends. While we were hiking, they informed me that approximately one week before Elaine's disappearance, she posted on her social media a video and a written statement that she had been sexually assaulted by one of Divine Compeer's friends. They indicated to me that her intention was to approach Divine about the rape and to inform him that she wanted to press charges against his friend. They stated that the post has subsequently been removed, but they believe that one of their friends might have a screenshot of her statement. At some point, I asked them if the friend who sexually assaulted Elaine could have been Kodak Black. They laughed and stated there's no way he would do that. When I informed them that he's recently been arrested and released for rape, they appeared shocked, stating that they were not aware of this. I believe they may have more information. However, we were not able to finish the conversation. I'm unaware of their names, but Susan would know. Thank you for your time. And now Susan is telling me that the two people are you and Danielle. Right now, I'm actually texting with Susan because that Susan, okay. Susan is like in real time confirming. I had no conversation with her about Elaine being raped because Susan told me not to have a conversation with her about it, so I didn't. Nothing about Kodak Black or Divine Friends or somebody or Elaine trying to talk to them about it. Like, never. I, I That story is like complete bullshit. Like, none of that makes sense to me at all. Because I was pulled aside with, like, just me and Susan talked about it. Like, not even anybody else. It's weird because I had to search. I sent those text messages to Susan, and she was like, she was like, don't show Rhonda. And which text messages is she talking about? The tweets or different text messages? Oh, yeah, the tweets. The tweets, I mean. She was like, don't show her, don't tell her about the text messages and don't send her those pictures of the, of the compraries driving by to search. I don't send them to her, just send them to me. I don't know, it was so weird. I was like, are you, what are you trying to do? I don't know, and I, I don't want to make her sound bad because I know she's freaking out. I just thought that was really weird. That's and she didn't want you to send the pictures of the compares to her either? She just wanted... Uh, no, she just wanted me to send them to her. And did she give you any reason why? No, she's like, just don't. Susan is literally texting me this right now. Yeah. Kristen also said Elaine went to Divine to confront about the rape. But I did not say that. She says, not exactly sure how I heard it, but she's saying that yeah, you told her, me. maybe she's thinking of somebody else, but I don't know. Uh, this is a strange yeah, thing I didn't to say that. And, and And you know Susan well enough that she would not confuse you with someone else. No, yeah, she knows me. That's really weird that she would say that. Nothing that I know of, of it being one of Divine's friends, or her trying to like bring it up to Divine. I, I the only thing I saw was her tweets. I sent it to Susan, and 
that's it. Kristen, do you know if Danielle could have had a conversation with Rhonda, like, while you weren't there? She could have. We definitely should talk to her. Do you think maybe then she was talking to Danielle? Yeah. Before hanging up, Kristen added one other odd story from the search about when the parents of Elaine's ex-boyfriend drove by. We were at, like, the command post area handing out flyers to people driving by, and then Danielle just gave them flyers. They drove off, and then later that day, I drove up near their house, and I found the flyers that Danielle gave them on the ground in the middle of the street, maybe like 100 feet from their gate. What? I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, this is fucked up. They don't give a fuck. Like, they don't give a fuck. And was it just the parents in the car? Or was uh, Divine in the car too? No, he wasn't in the car. It was the parents, and it looked like grandparents. He was driving around that day too, because other people saw him, but I didn't see him. People saw him driving around, but not by like the command post. I think they just saw him like in different areas that they were searching. Do you ever wish you could become a detective and help find the clues to the case? How about all of that in a mobile game that you can take anywhere? In June's Journey, each scene leads to a new thrilling storyline. Uncover the mystery of June's sister's murder and find out about scandalous family secrets. The gameplay lets you find hidden clues as you investigate a murder mystery. Escape to a bygone age of mystery, danger, and romance. Let your imagination run wild when decorating your island estate and collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. Whether you're craving a good mystery or looking for an escape, you can immerse yourself in the world of June Parker. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game with a captivating detective story taking you back to the glamour of the 1920s with a diverse cast of characters. Each new scene takes you further through a thrilling murder mystery story that sets the main protagonist, June Parker, on a quest to solve the murder of her sister and uncover her family's many secrets. I travel so much while working that I personally love to play it while sitting around airports with all that free time I have. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sat from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings, wherever you get your podcasts. After we hung up, Kristen sent us the tweets. They were written on December 28, 2016, exactly a month before Elaine went missing. 
Before I comment on them, I want you to listen to them first. Here's an actress reading the tweets. Nobody assesses things that are never brought to focus. Ladies, be sexually liberal, embrace and love. Just put a price on it, value yourself. As for the rape, the people involved know damn well who they are, but I don't fight fire with fire. I forgive him because now I can move on. I was so ashamed to be sexual in any way or express myself, but damn, I'm cute as hell and it's time I treated myself like the queen I am. It was ultimately my decisions that resulted in my mistakes. I blame no one. The important part is I can finally take care of myself right. The recent deaths have realized made me come face to face with myself, and I had to accept if I won't stand up for myself and women, nobody else will. I'm not making it a legal matter because the more important weight of the situation is that I stay true to myself and find myself justice. I understand rape is a word people don't like seeing on timelines, but awareness is the first step to healing and progressing before anything. I used alcohol as a way to numb myself and begin lowering myself to how I was that night, but I realized my mistakes don't determine character. It was up until this year I realized I was losing my peace of mind, and the only way to strengthen myself is to forgive myself and shed light. I was raped and nobody gave me closure about it, and I didn't remember it so I didn't remember the pain. I just dropped it and never spoke. Reading these tweets, I'm shocked. These are Elaine's words, but she's saying the exact opposite of what we've been told. Elaine explicitly states that she is not going to the police. So the theory that her seeking justice led to her disappearance is beginning to fall apart. She's choosing to focus on her healing and recovery. I want to do my due diligence though, so I call Danielle Elaine's other friend that Rhonda Hampton mentioned speaking to. Hello. Oh, hey, Danielle. It's Neil Strauss. Hi. I'm, uh, I'm Rosemary's friend, and she had just talked to your mom and said to call you. Your name comes up a few times, so I wanted to check the stuff with you. Oh, of course. Yeah, you can ask me anything. I'll try to answer, like, the best I can. I know you were having a discussion with Rhonda Hampton, and she had said, like, you had told her some stuff, like, about Elaine or what you guys thought happened. You know, yeah. um, me and Elaine, you know, we've been, we were friends for so many years. Right. But actually, up, like, up into, like, the last two years, we weren't close anymore. So I didn't, I honestly, I know you're going to ask me, because I've heard about it, too, about being raped or whatever. I, or what, whatever, I don't know. Someone said... I have no idea about that. Someone said that I I went and told Rhonda. That's not true because I didn't, I had I had no idea about it. 
Like Kristen, Danielle denies telling Rhonda Hampton that Elaine was going to the police to press charges. But there still remains one major piece of supposed evidence that the theory hangs on. A Periscope video that Elaine posted shortly before her disappearance. Right before Elaine disappeared, not many people saw this video, but there was like a, there's, so it was like a periscope, and actually you can't save the periscope, so it's like going live, but the videos don't get saved unless you want to save them. But she like recorded a really intense rap that she had made up by herself, and I actually stumbled upon it, like she was live doing it, and she was so tense, like it, and it was like probably a week before she disappeared, which is weird. And I just got bad vibes when I like heard it. Not many people saw it because it showed the people online. And there was only like three people watching. So, and I was one of them, but it just seemed really intense. Like, I, I don't know if someone could find the video. Fortunately, while searching online later that night, I found several sites that saved deleted Periscope videos and with some digging, I was able to locate Elaine's videos from that time. The only one that touches on the details of her life before she went missing is this excerpt regarding her relationship with Divine. Poems were always one of my favorite subjects, and I love that smile, natural charm I couldn't resist. Versatility, but kept it a hundred, always had sauce in his wrist. I'm not a player, I just crush a lot, and he was on my list. Passion's the sexiest thing about a man, determined but with a twist. Ambitions as a writer, mentality, but sincerely can't be missed. Someone who's fearless but still jiggy with his shit, you get the gist. I'm not trying to be too, I'm not trying to be too specific. Guess it's a hit or miss. I'm doing me now though. I tried to, I tried to lay low and catch a vibe, but he's too caught up in the dollar signs. He couldn't read none of the signs. I told him I spoke to God. He said, "Here's the number to my therapist." So I put my cute ass in my jeans and packed and leveled up. Shit, I'm not even pissed. I send Danielle the video just to confirm that it was the actual Periscope video she was telling me about, and she confirmed that it was. I suppose to a close friend, Elaine might have appeared tense, but there's not even the most remote indication that she planned to go to the police, that she planned to confront Divine, or that Divine knew these people in any way whatsoever. In fact, Elaine is very clear that her issue with Divine is that he doesn't seem to care about her enough, and that's it. just to confirm that what Elaine was saying in private was the same as what she was saying in public. I asked Jaden to send me the text he mentioned at our first meeting, where apparently Divine was trying to talk Elaine into not going to the police. The first thing I noticed when reading Elaine's texts is that it's clear that she and Divine were in a relationship, despite what his father had told Mike. The second thing is that it is true Divine was telling Elaine not to do anything crazy and to call him, but it wasn't because she was going to the police. It was because she sent him this text. I love you enough to let you go and see you do good for yourself. I need this year to really invest in myself right now, so I'm gonna grind and spend time alone until I can get myself real right. We can both improve and do better, you know? I appreciate everything you've done for me. You really taught me a lot about myself and showed me my value when nobody did. And I'm never gonna forget that. I wish you knew how I see you through my eyes. My heart has a real special place for you. I read Divine's responses to this message. And while he tells Elaine that he can't lose her because she's all he's got right now, 
he doesn't say anything nasty or vindictive to Elaine. In fact, he texts her, I just want you to know that I'm here for you no matter what. I'm still going to do everything I can to find a way to talk to Divine, but in the meantime, I just want to make sure there's nothing we're missing here before closing our investigation into this theory. One that Jaden told us the Lost Hills Sheriff's Department was ready to act on if the case was in their jurisdiction. So I call Rhonda Hampton one last time. You know, the narrative that was in your email that this stuff had happened to Lane and she was going to kind of confrontive. I'm just trying to figure out the origin of that narrative. They told me that she was going to confront him. That's how they learned why she was going to this house. That's what they told us. So you feel like 100% you remember them saying that directly. It wasn't either planted from another source or someone else there or something else like that. <laughs> because I asked them, why did, um, why did she go to this house in the first place? And without a beat. I found the actual video because I found a site that saves some of those videos even though they go away. I sent it to Dan- Danielle. I said, is this the video? She said yes. And the video definitely doesn't refer to any of that stuff. I don't know. All I know is this, is at the time, it appeared to me that they were being forthcoming. They were just talking and informing me. It was very casual. It wasn't, you know, I don't even think they understood what they were telling me. What happened is when they, when they said about the rape, then I stopped, and then I started, you know, getting more serious. And then I, that's when I said, well, how do you guys know that that's why she was watching? Now, by the way, I don't, they did say they weren't sure if it was Periscope or Facebook, because she, they did say that she did that a lot. They both told me that they saw it, but they, were, but they weren't the only ones who saw it, saw that. And I can't remember who they said the other one was. I followed up on the last two things Rhonda mentioned. I checked Elaine's Facebook, and it turns out that Elaine very rarely used that account, and there were no recent videos there. Mike and I also spoke with the one other close friend of Elaine's who was at the search, the last person to see her before she went to Divine's house, Sadie. She never said she was going to confront Div. I had no idea she was even going to see Div. He knew about the rape before she said anything to me about it. Div already knew about it before she went that night. So he knew way before. He knew before I knew. How do you know he knew? Because she told me that she told Div and that Div said that Daisy seemed like a bad friend because Uh she left her. And that's why Elaine wasn't talking to Daisy that whole month. Uh And that's what she told me. And then I told her, well, maybe you should talk to Daisy about it because I don't know if Daisy even knows that happened. I asked Sadie if she knew why Elaine was going to Divine's house on that particular night. This is something we're still not clear about because one of the challenges that Jaden and Elaine's mother are facing is that Elaine's phone is password protected and the texts from the last 24 hours or so before she disappeared never backed up to iCloud. So we don't have her data from that crucial window of time. Is there anyone else that would know why she was seen Div that night? Div, I don't know, just Div. Right, just Div. That I can think of. It was, I was the last person to see her and she didn't say anything to me about it. Right. So, I don't know. I think the only other person who would know is Div. 
Let's just walk through what we were told were the reasons for Elaine's disappearance versus what appears to be the truth. Jaden, the private investigator working for the family, told us this. Deleted tweets that we got from friends that had screenshotted it at the time uh, talk about seeking justice. She knew that the people that had raped her were friends of Divine, and she was going to confront them. But it turns out that Elaine's tweets were focused on her own healing. The perpetrators had no apparent connection to Divine, and she'd already discussed the assault with him, and he'd been supportive. We were also told this. The girl said that there was, there was a video, and she was going on and on and on about what happened to her and how she was going to go challenge Divine on it. But it turns out that in the video, she says nothing of the sort. She says she left Divine over a difference in values. And finally, we were told this. The other acts that were at this concert were two other hip-hop artists named Playboy Cardi and an artist named Kodak Black. But it turns out that Kodak Black was never at the concert. Somebody was saying Kodak was there. Oh, no, he's definitely not. So for me, at least, this theory has completely fallen apart. So my question is, was all this legitimate, or were we purposely misled? Thank you for listening to this episode. If you have experienced sexual violence and are seeking help or would like more information, you can call the National Sexual Assault Hotline at 1-800-656-4673. This is still an active investigation, so if you have any information regarding the disappearance of Elaine Park or any of the parties that have been mentioned here, please email us at livedieLA at tenderfoot.tv you can call us anonymously at 213-204-2073. I've also posted several details about the case. You can find these on our social media accounts at LiveDieLAPod. Please reach out if you have any information, specifically photographs or videos of the area where Elaine's car was found between January 28th, 2017 and February 2nd, 2017. To Live and Die in LA is a production of Tenderfoot TV and Neil Strauss in association with Cadence 13. Executive producers are Neil Strauss, Donald Albright, and Payne Lindsay. Produced and edited by Tristan Bankston. Consulting producer, Alex Vespasted. Mixed and mastered by Cooper Skinner and Devin Johnson. Original music and score by Makeup and Vanity Set, with additional musical services by Tristan Bankston. The theme song is Love and War by Flurry. Cover design by Trevor Eiler. Elaine's tweets and texts read by Abigail Bankston. And special thanks to Chris Corcoran and the team at Cadence 13, Oren Siegel, Oren Rosenbaum, and Grace Royer at UTA, The Nord Group, Station 16, and Beck Media and Marketing. 
please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. Our hope is to expose these stories so that we may learn from them and hold those responsible accountable for their actions. Thank you for your support.